This is an encore episode of one of our favorite shows from season one. Being a mother is an attitude, not biology. An unknown writer once said, if you give me any three words, I'll write you a story about my mother. Story is in our DNA, and of course, so is she. We gathered stories from men and women in all walks of life. Stories about the ones we have, the ones we are, the ones we know. This includes stories about stepmothers, godmothers, grandmothers, birth moms, foster moms, the mom up the street. It includes stories about not being a mom and stories about mothering in other ways. No matter how you slice it, if it's not one thing, it's your mother. Hi, everybody. I'm Lupe Padilla Mitchell. I'm a life coach of mothers and families and a mother of three adult daughters. I'm Katie Mitchell, actress, writer, storyteller, and mom of a teenage son. The word mother brings up different things for different people. Today, we're taking a deep dive into one mother's perspective and connection to losing her son to cancer. Our guest today is Alexis Roan Fancher. She is an award-winning poet and photographer who writes from a place of fearlessness and immense courage. The poems that she'll be sharing with us today are about living with the death of her son, Joshua. Let me just start again by saying how excited we are to have you be a guest on our show. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm really happy to have you here because, you know, after reading your pieces about a subject that so many people cannot speak that honestly to, they are so profound. Thank you. What would you like to say to set up the work that we're about to listen to? Well, um, let's see. My son Joshua Dorian Roan died on September 14th in 2007. He was 26. He died of a rare, always fatal cancer called an epithelioid sarcoma. It strikes adolescents and young adults. State of Grace, my first book of elegies for my son, was written from that state of, of sorrow. I felt I needed to grieve in public, so I started writing poems for him, and uh, the book State of Grace, the Joshua Elegies, came out in 2015, I believe, and there's a follow-up book that will be published in April. It's poems I've written since State of Grace about my son, also about uh, the shootings of children in our schools and uh, the opioid epidemic and how it's killing off an entire generation. So there you go. Wow. Let's read your poems. Okay. The first poem is Cruel Choices. Askew published Cruel Choices in 2016, nominated it for the Pushcart Prize, and about two weeks ago, it won the Pangolin Review Prize and was nominated again for a Pushcart. Cruel Choices. When my husband's two grown daughters are in town, the three of them go to the movies or play pool, share dinner every night, stay out late. I haven't seen my stepdaughters since my son's funeral in 2007. When people ask, I say nice things about the girls as if we had a relationship. When people ask if I have children, I change the subject or I lie and say no. Or sometimes I put them on the spot and tell them yes, but he died. 
They look aghast and want to know what happened. Then I have to tell them about the cancer. Sometimes when the older daughter, his favorite, is in town and she and my husband are out together night after night, I wonder what it would be like if that was me and my boy, if life was fair, and rather than my husband having two children and I none, we each had one living child, his choice which one to keep. Lately, when people ask, I want to lie and say, yes, my son is a basketball coach. He married a beautiful Iranian model with kind eyes, and they live in London with their twin girls who visit every summer. The same twins his girlfriend aborted with my blessing when my son was 18, deemed too young for fatherhood, and everyone said there would be all the time in the world. Thank you, Alexis. Snow Globe. This poem was originally published in the MacGuffin in 2013 and is in State of Grace. Snow Globe. Despair arrived, disguised as nine pounds of ashes in a velvet bag, worried so often between my fingers that wear marks now stain the fabric. Is it wrong to sift the remains of my dead son, bring my ashen finger to my forehead, make the mark of the penitent above my eyes, his eyes, the brown of mine, the smooth of his skin like mine? Unless I look in the mirror, I can't see him. Better he arrived as a snow globe, a small figure standing alone at the bottom of his cut short beauty. Give him a shake and watch his life float by. All right, and um, Keeping Things Cold will be in the new book coming out next year, and it was recently published in Diode. Keeping Things Cold. I've hung on to what's left over, what you touched, what fed you, taken stock of the refrigerator's gelid interior, sought evidence you were here. Behind the yellow mustard and a half-squeezed tube of disappointment, that tiger sauce you loved, best before September, 2007, some things I needed to keep. Today in the mail, an invitation. Your Amy is getting married in the fall. You'll be gone 11 years. Who invites the dead fiance's mother to her wedding? She must have weighed the pros and cons as I do Afraid I'll put a damper on the day for those who knew you and burden those who ask, and how do you know the bride? Afraid she'll hurt if I don't show. Afraid she'll hurt if I do. I search online for the perfect gift, compose my best excuse. Tonight I'll make French onion soup your favorite globules of butterfat dancing on its surface, 
like I would have danced at your wedding. Okay. Well, you picked really tough ones, you guys. Damn, you know. Yeah. No no funny poems about dead kids. I, I know. know. Dang it. Yeah. I'm sure well. you have thousands of those. <laughs> well, I don't know. Not thousands, but dozens. Well, you have a, a direct sense, so I can only imagine your humor must be sharp. You know, what strikes both of us immediately about you, and we talked about this a lot yesterday, was your immense courage to be so real, to just unzip yourself and be willing to show all the bits, you know, that most people are not willing to do. All the bits. That in Cruel Choices, when you talk about your stepdaughters, I mean, when you say uh, the unfairness of life and, and better that you have one and he has one, he can choose which one. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yes. A breath grabber. Because how many of us haven't felt that about something towards someone or in some way, you know? Well, I think that's the difference between normal, I think that normal people and poets. I think uh, Dorothy Allison, who wrote Bastard Out of Carolina, uh, one of my favorite writers, she said, you know, unless you are really taking risks, unless you are bleeding all over the page. Yeah. You're not writing worth a damn. You know, move over. Let somebody else write. Wow. And and I kind of believe that, you know. You know, as I, as I said earlier, I, I have a theatrical background. I am not an Iowa Writers Group writer. I have a degree in theater with an emphasis in acting. Um, I come from that school rather than having an MFA or any of the fruit salad, poetic yeah. fruit mm-hmm. salad that most of my contemporaries, most of the people that are in the same literary magazines I am have all the the right stuff, you know. I'm just kind of, I think of myself as a feral poet or outsider <laughs> poet. Yes. Um, but it, it, it frees me up as well. I have nothing to show anybody, really. I just write for, I don't know, I kind of write for myself and I always try to consider who might be reading me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And And when you consider that, who are you thinking about? Well, I I write two things. I write elegies and I write erotic mm-hmm. poems. Um, so they're very different audiences. When I'm writing poems about my son, about children, I think I'm writing to make peace with myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, poetry is a way to go back, take out old memories, old situations, re-examine them, mm-hmm. maybe put myself in a different place, kind of go back over and figure them out. Yeah. yeah. You know, poets like yourself that are willing to and have the ability to put those kind of words together that match what someone can only feel in their depth I don't know. I think it can heal or it can bring things to the surface or it could make a conversation to be had instead of something to be hidden. Well, I I think you've hit on something that that I've discovered as a poet and as someone who performs her poetry a lot is that people tell me that I give them permission. Mm. Yes. They'll come Mm. up to me after a reading and say, let me tell you about my child who mm-hmm. died, or or let me talk to you about my husband or my son that 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 overdosed, or mm-hmm. um, 
you know, it's, it's very empowering to me to know that I can speak a truth that perhaps another person feels but can't speak, or maybe my truth and me being honest allows them to be so. Absolutely. Yes. I think that's the best part mm-hmm. of being a poet for me. And as someone who is listening to poetry, you know, um, poetry is to be felt. And I guess you can say that about acting and music and all writing, but poetry and music, I would say, are closer together in that. It's not just the words. There's a music to poetry that goes in past what you're hearing cerebrally, you know. Well, I write my poetry out loud. I write out loud. I I write for the musicality. I write for the rhythm. I write for the plosives. I want I wanted to have a, a, a rhythmic sense of and yeah, I always write out loud. I think poetry's meant to be read out loud. I mean it's meant to yes. be heard. Another one of our poets who is going to be on the show said that that that's how poetry started. It was to be shared out loud. It was oral history before people could read, yes. before they could write. They they shared music and they shared stories. You in particular, though, I mean, you used the word feral. So, <laughs> I mean, it feels like you are gutted and here's what my entrails look like. And that is profound because we only can help each other grow, can help each other experience by being willing to be that open. You know. Right. And in the opening, um, you said, um, I needed to grieve in public. And what a service. Your work is definitely in service. Well, thank you. Uh, I guess around six months after my son died, uh, I started studying poetry with uh, an L.A. genius, a man named Jack Grapes, very famous teacher, <laughs> poet, and a dear friend <laughs> and mentor of mine. I, you know him? I've studied with him for 10 or 12 years. Oh, my years. goodness. I recorded him for yeah, the show. Yeah, he's going to be on the show, too. <laughs> well, Jack is is a dear friend and my mentor, and um, he taught me everything I know, and he taught me how to be fearless as a poet, mm-hmm. you know? It's everyone's greatest nightmare that their child will die before them, right? I have one boy. I, I have thought about it since the day he was born, mm-hmm. honestly. And um, what... What would you offer to other people who are in the position of having lost a child in terms of, you know, how to get, how to live with the grief? I know you don't get through it, but how to live with, with that loss? When, when the first book, State of Grace, came out, people asked me quite often at readings, uh, you know, my son died three weeks ago. When can I expect to get over it? Um, how long does it take? What what can you do for acceptance? Um, mm. When does it change? And I would say it doesn't get better. It gets different. It Losing a child is kind of the most freeing thing that can happen in, in someone's life because after that, nothing seems important. Nothing is a problem. Nothing nothing upsets me or blows me away. I have experienced the very worst. Um, I have a very close mm-hmm. friend. Her name is um, 
Susan Hayden, and she lost her husband when her son was 10. You know, and he just went off skiing one day and there was an avalanche and it was done. And I think she's the only one who hasn't lost a child who gets it. You know, I think it has to be that monumental. It's like you say, you have a kid and then every day you worry that the kid's going to die or what's going to happen. There's some things you just can't plan for. Yeah. Well, it's like that other poem, you know, um, unasked for words to a Facebook mom. You know, oh, my son's wonderful. There he is going to the prom. And next week we're going to look at colleges for the fall. And I I read those things and and it stabs me in the heart. Um, And not that I'm angry or resentful or jealous. I just want to say, shh. Don't advertise it. Step Mm. back. Be quiet. Maybe he'll survive. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that poem really hit me because there's so many of those little wives' tale things I do when my kids leave the house that I I do because I just want to keep them safe. So I say a little prayer. I put the little sign of the cross on their foreheads and I kiss them. Mm -hmm. And that entire poem is about... How futile that is. Well, this, this, this wonderful man told me that wrote to me and he, when that poem came out, and he said, my grandmother used to tie red string around our cribs and around our wrists. <laughs> yes. I never understood it. When I was working on that poem, I did some research about, you know, what do people do to ward off the evil eye? And that's where a lot yeah. of those things came from. I think I did from. half of those things. I'm not kidding. It's surprising how superstitious we get. When it matters, yes. you know, you want to, mm-hmm. did I, did I not do something? Yeah. You know, you want control as, as a mother, you want control and it's the last thing you have it's the, well. and you know, it. like you're sitting on that side knowing, yeah, good luck to you ladies. <sighs> yeah. Just chill out, relax with, you know, uh, yeah. I, I have a poem that's coming out in the next book, and it, it ends up, you know, I want to whisper in my sister's ear, don't worry. No matter what you do, things will turn out badly. Oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Thank you for making us laugh, because we're two <laughs> blubbering idiots on this side of the, of the oh, world. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, oh, no. no. I- Just... It's good to feel. It's good to know. It's good to tell the truth. It's good to tell the truth, that your words reveal truth. I love that. Thank you. So, okay, the new book of poems is going to be called? Well, the the short story to that is that when I wrote State of Grace, the Joshua poems, the Joshua elegies, I wanted to call it the Dead Kid Poems, and in my heart it was always called the Dead Kid Poems, but I'd only had one book out. I was new on the scene. Uh, Some of my favorite poets and people that were, you know, big stars in the poetry world said, no, 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 you can't do that. No one wants to read Dead and Kid on the cover of a book in the same sentence. Mm -hmm. And I listened, and, you know, they were right, but now this is my fifth book. 
people are beginning to kind of maybe a little bit know who I am. And it's my truth, and I'm just going to put it out there. So it's called The Dead Kid Poems. It's coming out, looks like April, uh, by Kaiso Flash Press in Washington State. And by the way, I'm so happy. I thought you were going to tell me that so you'd gone a different way and you weren't going to call it The Dead Kid Poems because I love that. I love that. It really does speak to who you are as a poet. Right away, you know that you're going to be reading something honest. Yeah, honest and fearless. Well, you know, I I just, if I'm not going to be honest now at this point in my life, when am I going to get to the end of my life and look at it like it was just a dress rehearsal and I never said what, what my truth is? I don't think so. Then, then I would be sorry, you know, to lay it all out there. I'm not sorry at all. I have to say, and, and I don't, I hope it doesn't sound corny or hokey in any way, because I mean it from the bottom of my guts. The gift that you are giving us is the gift of your son dying, honestly. I mean, if that hadn't happened, would you be this poet? Oh, no. And would you be giving the world this unbelievable body of work? No. And you remain his mother and you write from that voice. That voice, you are his mother. You are res- representing. And you're speaking for so many of the moms who don't have the words to say how much they miss their babies. Uh, well, thank you for that. It's always nice to be heard and appreciated. Um I wish you great good luck with us, you know. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Lovely to talk with you both. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, that's the show. And to find out more about our writers, go to our website, Instagram, or Twitter. If it's not one thing, it's your mother. And that's the number one, not the word one. Want to do something to help us? Go wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review us. Five stars would be nice. You can say something complimentary. Because you know what? It really does help other people find our show. And also share us with a friend because word of mouth is the best compliment. Join us next week.